Right, go ahead with the logic. Okay, Mark, logic one and two, Mark. Houston, we are set. We have a cryo press light. Roger, copy, cryo press light. Apollo 11, this is uh, Houston. Minus 10, 9, 8. We have a go for main engine start. We have main engine start. 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Hello and welcome to Space Gen, the show where you find out all the latest from the space industry. You can catch our episodes on X-Ray FM every Wednesday at 8 a.m. or on SoundCloud by searching Space Gen. I'm your host, Daniel Trainer, and let's get into the news. We're heading into the next decade. You know, we've got 2020 just around the corner, and I think one of the biggest things that we're going to see uh, as an improvement is going to be how we use technology. And one of those things is 5G in space. And this doesn't just apply to Earth. This is going to apply for elsewhere, like Mars and, you know, the moon. And we've got the next generation of this mobile communications. So that means new usage, you know, with all these higher speeds. And the ESA, the European Space Agency, got together with 15 industrialists and they joined forces in an agreement to make satellites an operational service. And that means we could use this new technology like cloud computing, you know, and it requires such a high speed internet, low latency internet. So nobody's gonna be isolated. It's gonna coat the whole planet. So the ESA director, Magali Vizieri, stated, they need to define the most representative trials at the time to cooperate with the terrestrial world. And I thought that was an interesting quote. It kind of sounded like something out of sci-fi. Ah, we're going to help work with the, the terrestrials on Earth. But we're going to have to start talking like that, especially when we start going interplanetary like to Mars and all of that. Now, over here in the US, we've got the big four carriers. We've got AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, Verizon. And they've already launched uh, the mobile 5G platform, and they've got in a couple of cities. Uh, I know they had it over in Chicago, just a couple of these new pylons where you can connect super high speed. But if you look at the grand picture, and we'll go back to that cloud computing, with things like that, you could have something like an iPad, which couldn't do the same processing power as like a main desktop computer. You could do this cloud computing to connect to a main computer somewhere else, and you could use it totally anywhere, like the middle of Australia. No problem, fast internet. But I think we should take a moment to just appreciate all the technology we've got from space development, like camera phones. You'd never expect this, but back in the 1990s, the JPL, which is the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory, worked on creating small enough cameras to fit on the spacecraft. And now they're in every smartphone in the world. Then we've got scratch-resistant lenses. The Lewis Research Center attempted to develop diamond-hard coatings for aerospace systems. Now they're used in glasses. How about athletic shoes? I don't know if you're a fan of Nike, but their shoes, called the Nike Airs, would never have existed if it wasn't for the suit construction technology developed by NASA. Foil blankets, you know those sheets that they use to keep people from having hypothermia? That was another NASA project back in the 1960s. Water purification systems, again. NASA created that. It was an electrolic silver iodizer. And that was used to purify astronauts' drinking water. And then you've got dustbusters, ear thermometers, home insulation, the jaws of life. 
which is what those firefighters use to get people out of a crashed car. What about wireless headsets? Yep. Then we've got memory foam, freeze-dried food, adjustable smoke detectors, artificial limbs, and then something as simple as a computer mouse. Back in the 1960s, NASA was trying to make computers more interactive. So they had the computer mouse. And how about laptops? Yep, it was all done because of space development. And I know I keep harking on and on about this, but when we go into the 2020s and look back at us now, it'll be like, how did we even function with the technology we had? And this ties up with some more news that we have on this 5G space network. Elon's Starlink satellite project uh, just recently applied for permission to launch 30,000 more Starlinks into space. Now, that's way accelerated. That is a much quicker deadline than it was originally supposed to be. And tying up with some more news, like what's going over at Starship Build, you know, they're just, they're building the Mark IV Starship right now. Uh, they spotted rings, uh, you know, the Mark III is getting kind of put together. And now we have the Mark IV, and rumor has it that the Mark II is being skipped so that they could just take the building process as an improvement for the Mark IV. Are they trying to accelerate that to launch these 30,000 satellites? I mean, it's all possible. And just recently, Elon over Twitter said, this tweet was sent through Starlink. So the, the whole network's working. So keep your eye on this space. Things are moving very quickly. Now, space police. Probably the coolest, you, you would have the most street cred if you said, hey, you know, I'm a space cop. Well, we kind of need them, uh, especially up with all these satellites kind of colliding. You've got these dead satellites. We had Starlink uh, satellite almost colliding with the ESA satellite. And a company called OneWeb is challenging all of that. And let me tell you a little bit about them. They're a SoftBank startup and they're rivaling SpaceX and Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin to launch thousands of washing machine-sized satellites into low Earth orbit. But besides all of that, it's just interesting to see a private startup company saying, we need space police. We need to make sure that things are safe out there. And we've currently got Space Force, which is an extension of the Air Force to create some sort of a thing that resembles that. But this is gonna be super critical, especially going into the next decade. We've got the 5G going up in space. We're not gonna have this cabled internet as much as we do now. So imagine if a satellite, somebody hacked it and flew it into another satellite and then they started colliding with each other and it totally took down the whole network. Cause you know, you've got a zero G environment anything can happen and that'd be catastrophic if everybody was you know using their stuff and you know you've got flight systems that rely on it and the whole thing cut out at once you, you just couldn't deal with that you would just be totally screwed so that's probably one of the main reasons that something like space force or you know space please are really needed up there now talking about a little something less doom and gloom like the world moving to an internet that could get knocked out at any point uh nasa's gonna possibly do now 10 moon missions. That is insane. This is big news. So they're extending uh, Boeing's moon rocket assembly authorization in preparation to support as many as 10 moon missions for the agency's Artemis program. And that, as you know, aims to land astronauts on the moon by 2024. NASA also announced in turn additional funding for Boeing, which was an authorization to buy more raw materials for the rocket building in bulk. And that larger contract, which the agency plans to finalize next year, is expected to support up to 10 core stages of the Space Launch System, or the SLS rocket. And this really harkens, this is a bit of a flashback. This is like going back to the Apollo era. We're talking about multiple moon missions. So Jim Burdenstein said, it's urgent that we meet the president's goal to land astronauts on the moon by 2024. And the SLS is the only rocket that can help us meet that challenge. Now, I don't know about you, 
but there is another rocket, it's called Starship. But regardless of that, they have been working on the SLS a lot longer than SpaceX has been working on the Starship, for example. And even just with the spacesuits and everything, they've really accelerated development. So 2024 is definitely possible. Now, let's move into something different, planetary defense. And you've heard me talk about what NASA's plan is for that. You know, we've got these asteroids that might hit the planet. It's a little bit doom and gloom again, but we're going to talk about microbes. You know, we don't want to get infected. We don't want to have some alien... Uh, small organism or something come back maybe on a starship or something and infect our planet earth and nasa has concerns over planetary protection and they've made great efforts to prevent microbes from going into space and back you know with their martian robots their little rovers they've put them in totally clean rooms there's almost like a hyper hospital environment and you know all the little components the little bits that they put together well yeah they're all baked in an oven they're doused in a whole bunch of chemicals it's a hyper sterile environment but why why do we want to be that careful i mean earth yeah that's our planet but we want to be careful with mars we want to be careful with the moon because imagine going to some places in earth you know that humans haven't really been to properly you go there and you kind of tamper around with the environment maybe bring external equipment or whatever and it starts affecting the ecosystem there but it's also the same for mars we don't really know what's on there we we know a little bit but not enough to say okay yeah it's fine we can take this and we can take that no problem we'll just see how it goes We've got this one shot where we need to be very careful the first time to see, okay, what's going on here? And especially coming back to Earth with Starship, you know, you're going to have hundreds of people coming back and forth and you're going to want to make sure, hey, is everybody clean? Has everybody, nobody's brought anything back, any contaminants back to Earth? Like you could have somebody come back with some bacteria on their shoe and then it infects something and it starts spreading and it could domino effect into chaos. So I see NASA like they do with the ISS astronauts that come back to Earth and they're totally put in a, a careful environment where they can climatize back to Earth's environment. I see NASA making a facility for all these private space industries with all their space tourists coming back to kind of make sure, okay, everybody's able to come through here and have a higher capacity to move people in and out without any contamination. And talking about living on Mars, Paul Wooster, who works at SpaceX, did a whole talk at the University of Southern California about how we're going to live there. He mentioned the possibility of businesses on Mars and that SpaceX would definitely try and encourage some of that. And that got me thinking, what, what would be the first business? We had Jim Burdenstein talking about fiber construction up in space, especially in zero-g, but Mars is a little different. There is still a gravity there. What could be built there? Maybe they're going to partner with Tesla which is obviously another one of Elon's companies. What if they started building Tesla motors or something on Mars? It'd be really cool to see, but they might also encourage other Kickstarter companies because we're talking about kickstarting a civilization on Mars. We've got to have something to start off with. Now let's talk about the NASA 2024 deadline because it's in a little bit of a limbo. Uh, so when they were doing the whole cost uh, verification and all of that stuff, uh, amid questions from lawmakers about the accelerated proposal for humans to return to the moon by 2024, the chairman of the House subcommittee, who's responsible for helping NASA write all their budget, said this week he favors the space agency's earlier schedule for a crewed lunar landing by 2028. So Representative Jose Serrano said, I remain extremely concerned about the proposed advancement by four years of this mission. The eyes of the world are upon us. We cannot afford to fail. Therefore, I believe that it is better to use the original NASA schedule of 2028 for humans to land on the moon in order to have a successful, safe, 
and cost-effective mission for the benefit of the American people and the world. It's quite the quote there. And Jim Burdenstein told CNN back in June that accomplishing the landing on the moon with astronauts in 2024 could cost between 20 and 30 billion dollars over NASA's regular funding levels. And that kind of relates to what Elon said. You know, if you throw enough money at engineers, it can all be done, no problem. But a detailed accounting of all the costs from NASA has not been released. So what do you think? Do you think it's better to land at an earlier date or a more realistic one, one that we're safe with? Because it sounds like 2028 was definitely no problem. 2024 was a real push, but it kind of harkens back to that JFK quote. We don't do things because they're easy, we do things because they're hard. And judging by all these developments that NASA's been doing, especially with the suits and everything, they're definitely on track to making that possible. Again, this is all news we just had in the last week. This is how quick things are starting to move, and as I've said before, we really are heading into a new space age. So if you like hearing about the news, make sure to tune in every Wednesday at 8am on X-Ray FM, or on SoundCloud by searching Space Gen. I'm your host, Daniel Trainer, and I'll see you next time.